1: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. An epic collapse for the Brooklyn Nets, a super team that gets swept in the first round of the postseason. A team that was the preseason favorite to win a title, does not even win one playoff game. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, filling in for Greeny today, also on your smart speaker at Play ESPN Radio Network in 30 minutes. Mel Kuyper Jr. We are 48 hours away from the draft. He will take us through all of the top picks. And if, in fact, Aiden Hutchinson is still worthy of being that number one overall pick, even though there's been some grumblings here this week, that maybe it would be somebody else. But the Nets, the story is they get swept by the Boston Celtics in round one. Kevin Durant and company are headed home, but the big fella is not looking back. No regrets. I mean, it happens. You know, no crying over Spill Mill. It's about how we can progress and get better from here. We can't have no regrets on what we did. It just played out the way it played. Yeah, you can't have regrets on what happened, because what happened was just a disastrous season from front to back, from Kyrie Irving and... All of the issues with COVID and with vaccinations, James Harden forcing his way out, and Kevin Durant, frankly, playing horribly the first three games of this series, although the Celtics deserve credit. Courtney, they wouldn't be in this position. There should be plenty of regrets.
0: I mean, entirely, and where Kevin Durant kind of sounds lackadaisical in that response where the words are all blurring together of, you know, no, there's no regrets. Listen to the sound of his voice. Clearly, he's upset in that moment, and he doesn't want to go off more than he already has, where I feel like he's trying to process this in real time in the sting of getting swept by Boston who is head and shoulders above this Nets group where the Nets fought so hard to get into the spot because of the, the you know self-inflicted wounds they had that made them a 7 seed in the first place that is such a tough pill to swallow and i think you know what i was noticing when kevin durant was talking post game it almost felt like the realization that he created this mess was all kind of hitting him All at once, like from from the coach that they hand chose and Steve Nash, who was brought in to just kind of let them run whatever offense and do whatever they wanted to do. And then, oh, when you actually do need strategy, you don't have it because you're playing the game and then wanting to pair with Kyrie Irving to create the super team that completely fell flat on its face. That's someone who's realizing the cost of their ac- of their actions, the consequence of their mm. actions of leaving Golden State when he did, when he had a good thing going there, and maybe there weren't you know, some great vibes around him at the time that he left, but he went off trying to chase another ring. And the way that it's panned out in the first two seasons that he's actually played outside of the injury from 19, it's not gone well. And I think that he is truly stomaching that and realizing, oh my goodness, did I make a massive mistake here?
1: I don't think he's realizing it yet. I think his actions have all dictated that he is 100% behind Kyrie Irving, and if he's not realizing it, he better start. And to me, it doesn't speak of that. I know the tone in which he's talking, but I think his tone has been pretty consistent with that all season long. And as far as Steve Nash is concerned, Courtney, look, If they truly don't think the coach is that important, which is basically what Kyrie Irving has told you on a few occasions, then, and you have Durant last night, by the way, saying, listen, Steve's had to deal with a lot the last couple of years, unprecedented stuff, but he didn't say he's our guy by any stretch. I think they do have to realize if you are going to start to move in the right direction, you either have to let Nash actually coach the game, or you have to go get somebody else with a stronger personality to coach the team because it is necessary. Let's let's call it what it is. It has to feel pretty crummy to see the guy who was the top assistant on your team last year
0: completely oh.
1: blow your doors off.
0: You know who the first person Kevin Durant hugged after the game? Ime Udoka. He found, he found Ime Udoka and he gave him a huge hug and that to me said everything I needed to know about a, he outcoached Steve Nash throughout this entire series. Let's call that what it is, but also Kevin Durant in that moment. And I know, Chris, what you, you said that maybe he doesn't realize it and he is publicly saying that he stands by Kyrie Irving. What is he supposed to say post-game? Nah, screw this dude. His selfishness yeah. led us to this point. He may be feeling that, and I'm pretty sure that he is, because how could you not? Uh, if, unless you, if you're not a rational human being thinking what we all think, but the coaching element, too. I think that that was his way of being like, man, if only we had you as our head coach during this series. Could have been a little bit different because you actually would have had some guidance. Some You would have had an adult in the room.
1: I think he's going to be out. I think they'll m- make a move uh, in terms of the coach because they will look for a fall guy for some of this this year. The, it, what just remains to be seen is if they actually want to be coached, if they just make Steve Nash the, the figurehead for what went wrong or – if they, in fact, do bring in somebody who is capable of taking the reins of this. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin in for Greeny. And then there's Ben Simmons. And I need a minute, as I know you do too, because... It's painful to watch how that whole situation played out, and you talk about an incredible lack of self-awareness. Ben Simmons has zero competitive fire. And I've talked about this before. I've dealt with mental health issues myself, in my family, in friends. And Ben Simmons brought this up. For the first time, it became an issue for the first time when he was already trying to force his way out of Philadelphia and the Sixers were not going to pay him. And he and Rich Paul went to the loophole that says a player must be paid if he is out due to mental health issues. So he gets what he wants. He gets traded away. He didn't want to meet with any of the Sixers doctors at all, only his own people. Comes here to New York, to Brooklyn, doesn't play. Then he's ramping up. He's talking about how he's going to play. His people are putting that out there. Listen, he's going one-on-one. He's going two-on-two. It just continues to build up that he's going to show up in game four and then the Nets lose game three. And he's deciding, I'm out. My back hurts. And he starts getting absolutely hammered for it publicly, and justifiably so. And on the day of game four, Ben Simmons and Rich Paul decide that's the day to meet with Sean Marks to talk about the future. And the mental health issue comes up again as he is getting widely criticized for what happened. And he's not on the bench last night because during all of this, The fashion show that he has put on throughout the playoffs has been the biggest story around him.
0: What a metaphor. The outfit he wears in Game 3, rose-colored glasses indoors, so he's seeing his situation in a positive light and not a realistic way. The whole thing that happened yesterday in that Monday afternoon meeting makes me honestly like physically want to throw up because it feels like they're using his mental health now as an excuse on top of the back issues. And they're going to the Nets to be like, look, this is real, honestly. And I'm with you, Chris. If this is so real that if he woke up Monday, Sunday, whenever it was, and was like, man, my back is tensing up or whether it's anxiety, it's depression, it's nerves, it's whatever you need to do yourself a favor here. And go to an intensive outpatient program, an intensive inpatient program. You need to do something. If your mental health is that bad, which as we know, we found out through their loophole, he'd still get paid. It won't be a matter of missing game checks and anything else. He would still get his salary. But here's the thing thing about that,
1: too, though, to remember, Courtney, the Sixers have not paid him because... Clearly, they didn't believe him, and he has this grievance for $20 million this year.
0: And if he gets paid, great. If he doesn't, then we find out maybe there is something a little bit more to that. But if he believes that he can use that loophole, then he needs to go get help and do it away from basketball. Because right now, like when we're talking about Kyrie Irving and being a distraction to the team, and he admitted as much last night. What Ben Simmons did throughout the playoffs and all the talk about, oh, yeah, he's feeling like the man in practice and, you know, walking around the facility with swagger and he's showing up (laughs) wearing lamb, I believe it wasn't leather. That green thing that he wore during the play-in game, that was lamb. That he made
1: sure to correct the reporter on during the game.
0: Like. It's making a mockery of mental health issues. And so my thing is, if you are seriously suffering from this stuff, you need to go get more intensive help and you need to do it away from the basketball court where you're being a spectacle. And honestly, you're the butt of everyone's joke right now because you made yourself that. And I re- that's the part I don't have sympathy about. I have sympathy for the pain concerns. There are people who live in chronic pain every single day. One day you feel fine, the next day you don't. That's real. There's same thing with mental health. In the event of those things actually being real here, Ben Simmons needs to treat it as such and remove himself from the environment that's making a mockery of this whole thing.
1: None of us know what's going on in Ben Simmons' head. None of us know what he's dealing with on a day-to-day basis. I will say this, though. As somebody that's dealt with it, I'm offended by the fact that the only time it seems to come up is when it's convenient for him. Yep. And that perception is incredibly problematic. If you go and you get your help this off season, great, by all means. But, frankly, you right now, the way you're handling this, are insulting us all. Because if you're trying to use it as your excuse to still get your money, to still get everything that you want, and to get away with not being criticized, that is a direct affront to everybody who do, who does deal with it on a day-to-day basis. And look. It may not be true. What's going on may absolutely be the case. But the perception is an incredibly bad one. And by the way, the perception is why he was not on the bench last night. Because nobody wanted to see him wearing another outlandish outfit, making sure the sideline reporter knew exactly what he was wearing. That does not speak well when you're trying to convince us that your mental health is an issue. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin on ESPN Radio. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Suns host the Pelicans, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on most ESPN Radio stations. We have so much more to get to in 15 minutes. The great Mel Kuyper Jr. joins us ahead of the NFL draft on Thursday night. It's right here on ESPN and on ESPN Radio. We will have you covered from pillar to post. Up next, though, there was another major development in the NBA playoffs last night. What is going on in Philadelphia? We'll explain the issue and if it's solvable next
2: Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash today. That's Macy's.com slash
1: In 10 minutes, the incomparable Mel Kuyper Jr. joins us with the NFL draft just two days away. Last night, the Sixers in Philadelphia with an opportunity to wrap up the series, a gentleman's sweep, with the Toronto Raptors, and instead they absolutely imploded and lose by 15 points. And, Courtney, listen, I actually thought before the series started that the Raptors would win this series, but then that went away pretty quickly. Having said that now, I am rooting so hard (laughs) to just see a Game 7 because –
0: you want to see James Harden? I want to see you James want to see Harden. what We all want to see. I
1: want to see James <laughs> Harden in a bit of a tight situation in Game Seven, and there's somebody else here that has a little concern about James Harden, and it just happens to be Joel Embiid. I've been
3: saying all season since he got here, you know, he just needs to be aggressive and he needs to be himself. Um, you know, that's you know, that's not really my job. Um, you know, that's probably on coach uh, to. You know, talk to him and tell him to, you know, take more shots, uh, especially if they're going to guard me the way they've been guarding. uh, But, uh, you know, that's really not my job.
1: Step up, in other words. Step up 15 points for Harden last night on 11 shots, Courtney. You can have as many assists as you want. James Harden has to at some point throw up one or two of the classic James Harden-type games.
0: I don't know what's gone on with him this series, but Chris, this is really dated his shooting struggles have dated back to the end of the regular season and it's carried over through the first five games of this Raptors series. I mean, he went six of seventeen, game one, three and nine, seven of 13, 5 of seventeen last night, the aforementioned four of eleven from the field. I don't know what's going on with him. Other than he's playing tight right now, and when you talk about a game seven, That would scare me if I'm Joel Embiid. If this series ends up getting tied up and they have to force a game seven, what James Harden are you going to get there? You're probably going to get the one that showed up in other playoff series throughout his career that has struggled. And they are struggling at this time where all of a sudden it feels like, oh, ever since Scotty Barnes was named Rookie of the Year the other day, the Raptors seem to turn it on. Pascal Siakam has been awesome. Precious Achua has been great too. Like, this Raptors team was not a bad team. I understand that they went down 3-0. to zero, And they didn't look like they had much fight left in them. But the Seventy Sixers always kind of managed to do this, and I know that our co, our um, our colleague and an ESPN radio host, Joe Fortenbaugh, kind of predicted this at the beginning of that series. I remember listening to a bite here on ESPN Radio where he's like, "Listen, this is what's going to happen. They're going to jump out to an early lead. Something's going to happen with Embiid, and then all of a sudden, the series is going to get end up tied. And we're wondering, okay, can we put this on the shoulders of James Harden? I don't know if you can." And it really worries me that the same course of action that has plagued the 76ers in playoff series past is going to rear its ugly head yet again. I
1: think that's all justified. I think it's all completely justified. And James Harden cannot be along for the ride. Cannot be along for the ride. And frankly, when he got to Brooklyn last year, one of the first things he said to Kyrie was, look, I'll stand back. I'll be the facilitator. You're, You're the guy. You're the number two. And now as I look back at that, I wonder, is it because Harden was realizing he's not capable of being the true number two anymore? Courtney, since the calendar turned to 2022, he has three 30-point games to his credit. Only three. And two of them came before he got traded when he was back in Brooklyn. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have to be the guy. And Embiid, even though he says, "That's for the coach to tell you, I'm telling you right now. Dude, I need your help. Why are you here otherwise? And by the way, the Sixers have to face a decision of handing him $250 million this offseason.
0: Do you feel like James Harden is looking at this realizing the foreshadowing effect of I could be going through this yet again with another teammate who lets me down when I need them the most. Hmm. Like just like Ben Simmons did last year and the year before that. That's what it felt like. It felt like a, almost like a cry for help from Joel Embiid saying, Oh, look, I'm, I'm not the coach, but he's got to be more aggressive. We've got to find a way to put him in situations to do that. That's his way of saying, James, we brought you here for a reason. We, you know, we, meaning the Philadelphia 76ers, granted that trade request because we thought you could be a game changer where we're not just having to rely on a second-year player in Tyrese Maxey, who, by the way, has been really, really incredible this series. And I love that storyline. But it shouldn't be the Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris show. It should be Joel Embiid and James Harden at the end of the day to close this thing out. And it just feels like we're teetering on the very scary edge that – That might happen here in a Game 7, and I don't know what James Harden, yes I do, know what James Harden's going to show up there. And you know what, Chris? I think that there'd be a couple other people down in Brooklyn who are rooting for that Game 7 to happen that might have played, shared a locker room with James Harden (laughs) not too long ago, hoping that they are in the same spot that Brooklyn currently finds themselves in.
1: Exactly. They want to see James Harden go down now that they have lost. More schadenfreude, as we were talking about earlier
2: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible
4: items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
1: I just wonder at this point if Harden has it in him to put together one of those kind of games that's going to be necessary on the road in Toronto, it's Chris and Courtney and for Greeny on ESPN Radio. I really kind of wonder if he does, Courtney. I mean, he's been out of shape for a lot of the season. And now when he's out there playing, it's not being aggressive. It's not going to the 10. I mean, 11 shot attempts for James Harden in a lot of ways would be unthinkable a couple of years ago. And granted, he was in Houston and he was the the guy But they didn't bring him here to basically ride in the sidecar. And, look, I love Tyrese Maxey. I think he's a great, great young player. But he's still going to have a couple of those moments, you would think, where he's going to basically be learning from mistakes that happen.
0: I mean, this is what the narrative has been for him throughout his career, Chris, that every year when they get to the postseason, his numbers and stats and overall efficiency drops off kind of considerably from the regular season and you know to the same extent here that's followed through in 2021 2022 from where he was with Philly when he got traded to where he's at right now like the thing that kind of gives me pause here is that we've known this and we also know that this is a guy who's due 47 million dollars next season if he opts to stay in Philadelphia and potentially even more for that um, if somebody gives him a maximum deal. Is it worth doing that when we don't know a, how many more superstar level years he has left in the tank? And B, if he doesn't get them out of this series, like if they get out of the series in spite of him or if they lose altogether, that would give me a lot of pause if I'm Philadelphia or any other team.
1: It would absolutely give me a lot of pause. And I think one of the big problems here is that Harden has ended up with the general manager that he wanted to, the guy that did every single thing that he wanted him to do in Houston. And that's where he has been angling to get. Now every player would love to have that kind of a GM, but is that relationship going to prove to be problematic if this whole thing implodes, I mean, that is going to be a city that is not going to be looking upon James Harden too well if this gets away from him and he continues to play terribly.
0: Joel Embiid's not 100%. We know that, and we know that James Harden needs to step up because of that. And that's what I think the cry for help from from Joel Embiid was on Monday night.
1: Look, if they actually force a Game 7, the Raptors, it's going to be must-see TV. ESPN NFL Draft expert Mel Kuyper Jr. Joining Chris Carlin, Chris Canty. Don't forget, you can catch Mel and Darry Alexander every Saturday. Darry and Mel, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m.
5: We all know who Darry Noka is. Darry yes. Noka and Mel Kuyper have the longest-running radio show on ESPN Radio. Correct. We've Hello. have been for years and years and years and years. And then this That's happens... Happened.
1: Catch Mel and Darry Alexander every Saturday. Darry and Mel, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Darry- <laughs> First of all, the worst part is that I said Alexander, who is a TV anchor in New York, and yes. it just, it just, it, I misspoke. It was a bad moment. It wasn't, it wasn't good. good. It's a bad moment that they're never going to let me forget. So I misspoke. It happens. It's Darry Noka and Mel Kuyper Jr., Tune in to the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin, Infor Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, and we welcome in the aforementioned Mel Kuyper Jr. of Darry and Mel, and of course ESPN's lead NFL draft analyst. Mel, I feel like I'm wrongly persecuted here because I misspoke, yet I'm speaking to a man that rarely misspeaks in his analysis. <laughs>
3: Chris, that is uh, way overrating me, and plus I want to give you credit and applaud you for doing that, because that will be something we'll play back hundreds of years from now, okay? So so what you consider a bad moment was one of the best moments in the radio history, and will be one of the most memorable moments for me, because uh, outside of Steve Spurrier calling him Darcy, you can hear it right there. He's heard it all, Chris. You just added to the list, and and anything that gets uh, Darry upset and and irate, I'm I'm great. I'm I'm all good for that.
1: See, I unknowingly have added to the entertainment factor, and that's only what I'm <laughs> oh, no, trying to no do.
3: Questions. We got a lot of laughs out of that one. Believe
1: it. <laughs> well, darry I apologize. Mel, let's get right to it. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> it's already over. Um, Mel, let's just start here. We're we're really hearing a lot more over the last week about the top overall pick, and maybe it's not a- Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe it is. Trayvon Walker, what's your evaluation here of the Jaguars and what they should be doing?
3: Well, Chris Courtney, uh, great to be with you guys. I think you look at you know the options they have is all defense, obviously, and then, of course, the offensive line because of Trevor Lawrence. So you say, okay, if you're Jacksonville, once you franchise Cam Robinson and you have Walker Little, former second-round pick out of Stanford, to maybe compete for that right or will compete for the right tackle job. And you added Phil Rauscher, who's considered to be an outstanding offensive line coach and can fix some of the things that were going wrong up front, maybe add a center in the draft. You felt like, okay, they're okay, now they can get a pass. Rush rusher in the AFC to get after quarterbacks and help out Josh Allen on the other side if he can develop a little bit more consistency. He's shown, obviously, flashes of brilliance go back to the Buffalo Bills game when uh, you know he had a, a, probably a career game. So that was the whole question mark. Uh, you always hear names this time of year thrown out there for trade possibilities. Somebody want to move up to get this guy? Well, I'll tell everybody we're taking him or we're, he's in the mix to be the number one pick. But Trayvon Walker's been red hot since the Combine. Uh, the, the production didn't match the talent. But if you roll the dice on the talent and everything coming together with coaching that would be your guy
0: is there a possibility that since we are at the peak of smoke screen season here Mel and whether the order switches with Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker that the Jaguars do indeed actually go offensive linemen at number one
3: Courtney, they could. I mean, Chris Mortensen's been talking about offensive line for Jacksonville forever, and he never wavered on that. He said, I know Aiden Hutchinson and defense and all that. And I know about the franchise tag, but the, believe me, offensive line's still in the in, in the cards. That's a potential position they will address there. So he's always thought it was Icky Aquanu or Evan Neal, and Icky's kind of moved ahead of Neal, I believe. And yeah, That's the problem, Courtney and, and, and Chris. You talk to certain teams. You don't talk to everybody. So you can, you can get a consensus with your teams. It doesn't mean there's one or two teams out there think differently. So that's why trying to do this, and, and it gets so, we're so wrapped up in mock drafts, we lose sight of who can play and who can't play, and what our Roy opinions are on ratings. So, you know, in terms of mock drafts, it's going to be somebody pick number one? Does it look like it might be Trayvon Walker now? Maybe Hutchinson to Detroit? i tell you, they are the ecstatic team, if that happens, because that's the local guy who wants to be a Detroit Lion. I talked to Aiden about a month and a half ago. He thought he was going to be a Detroit Lion then because he thought the the Jaguars were taking an offensive lineman. So uh, he'll, he'll, he can't lose. If he goes to Jacksonville, he's number one pick, great. If he goes to the Lions, that's his hometown. Uh, everybody loves him there, and he'll give them what they need. That is an historically bad defense in Detroit that desperately needs an Aiden Hutchinson. And Hutchinson certainly outproduced Trayvon Walker and this year was uh, the best player on the field on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, if they get the best player at number two, they will be like I say, ecstatic.
1: The the busiest man in America is with us right now. That's Mel Kuyper Jr. It is draft week. We are 48 hours away. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin in for Greeny. Mel, the receivers in the draft. Are there any of them that are capable of making a Jamar Chase-like impact in year one in your estimation?
3: Waddle and Smith were all outstanding, and that's the three that went early, and they all had great years. So yeah, to make an impact, well, Joe Burrow had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's not forget, Joe Burrow uh, made a lot of those guys look really good, and Chase is a spectacular talent, and obviously, you look at this year, uh, Jameson Williams could have maybe been that guy uh, coming out of Alabama, um, formerly of Ohio State, but he got hurt, and now it's a question of when will he get back on the field. So if you're asking me you know, next year, maybe so later, maybe in twenty twenty. Three, It will be uh, certainly Jamison Williams. But for this coming season, uh, yeah, you're thinking about you know, where we are in 2021, 2022, moving forward with him. I love the kid. Everything about Jamison Williams screams big-time talent, big-time player, the attitude, the approach. Garrett Wilson has awesome talent. Uh, he will probably be the first receiver taken or Drake London, but I'll bet on Jamison Williams being the best of this group All down, you know, down the road, maybe not right away.
0: Trade calls are continuing to flood in uh, for the New York Giants, not just potentially for Kadarius Toney, but for James Bradbury, their cornerback. So obviously that's a need, and they've got picks at 5-7. and seven. Does it feel like – I don't want to necessarily call it a foregone conclusion because what happens at the top of the draft could, could change what they do at 5-7, and seven, but does it feel like Sauce Gardner makes his way to the Giants either at 5 or 7?
3: Courtney, I would say for me, I'd be surprised if that happened. Not shocked, but I'd be surprised. I think Sauce Gartner is certainly uh, the most cool the most cleanest players coming into this draft as anybody. He had a great year. He tested well. The Jets, I kept hearing four, you know, maybe two. Um, you know, when you talk to people in the league, um, you know, Jets make sense. They have corners, but they don't have an elite corner. Obviously, the Lions did up until when Hutchinson's there. Forget that. They would take Aiden. Uh, but, yeah, there's a chance, Courtney. I, I, there's certainly a chance. Some don't you think he'll drop past that. But I just worry about, it. I would say the Jets would be the team in front of the Giants at four that certainly could take Sauce Gardner.
1: Mel, when you look at the quarterbacks, we've all heard all year about how this is not a strong class at all. But does any team fall into that trap of, we like this guy and we feel like we need to go get him? Would you be surprised if somebody
3: did that? I'd be surprised, Chris, if, if only... You know, one quarterback went in the first, like some are thinking now. I've heard people say Kenny Pickett could drop to the second. That would, you know, I think two go, maybe three, and it's always a force. But, you know, to try to figure out Carolina is the toughest thing in this draft. Yeah. I, I don't know what Carolina's going to do. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, they they were at these pro days. Everybody said they were, you know, going to definitely take a quarterback. Yeah, it's six. They need a left tackle. Charles Cross, Evan Neal could be there. Um they trade down off a of six, which is what I thought. If you if you like Willis and Pickett, you can't really decide between the two. Then you move off a of six, get in the middle of the first ahead of Pittsburgh, and you take one of the two, whoever you like the best. And if one of them's gone, you take the other one if you're okay with that. Say Pittsburgh traded ahead of you, so I, I don't know how they feel about these quarterbacks. Nobody does. So Carolina is going to be the team that's going to solve a lot of this with pick six or by moving down. And then Pittsburgh at twenty. I think this will be the most interesting part. What if Willis and Pickett are both there at 20 and Pittsburgh doesn't take either one of them? <laughs> I mean, that would be the shocker. So if you ask me what the shocker would be in this draft, it would be if both quarterbacks are there and Pittsburgh passes, or if Pickett goes earlier and Willis is there at 20 and Pittsburgh passes. Because all we've heard is Mike Tomlin and Malik Willis. Mike Tomlin and Malik Willis. So that, And they need a quarterback, obviously. If you're going to roll forward with Mitchell Trubisky, fine. Uh, you good luck on that one. You, you hope you catch lightning in a bottle there and maybe he can recapture some some of the things we saw early on in Chicago but uh, I I think that's the storyline is is the quarterbacks from that standpoint how far do they drop and what does Carolina and Pittsburgh do a
0: couple teams have multiple first round picks that come to mind aside from the New York Giants because it does feel like they will end up using both of those they are a talent deficient team Um, but the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles have multiple first round picks do you expect that these will be teams that are fielding calls to try to trade back because it doesn't really feel like with the talent that's at the top of the board like trading back is going to be all that easy to do this time around.
3: Courtney, I had no idea about that because, as you said, it, uh, you need a dance partner, and I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know who the player or two are that they're going to trade up to get to allow these teams, like Houston at three. or And now at 13, I can see it, Courtney. I could see 13 being a spot. I could see 15 for Philly because that's the Jameson Williams spot. That's the quarterback spot. That's that offensive tackle that drifts down a little bit. Okay, So I think well, whether Kyle Hamilton slips a little bit, where does Derek Stingley Jr. go? How far? Does he go high? Does he fall a little bit? If if there's a hot guy that has a ton of talent that drops because of, you know, Stingley Jr. not doing any great since 2019 or or Kyle Hamilton being a safety who didn't run great or whatever it is that that scares teams off of a player early, then and they drop. I could see 13 being dealt. I could see Baltimore at 14 moving down. And then, of course, that includes 15 Philly. Ironically, Philly's ahead of New Orleans twice. They're ahead of them at 15. They're ahead of them at 18. And they kind of have similar need at wide receiver. So, you know, you think about that spot. Now, New Orleans needs a left tackle. Uh, they're ahead of the Chargers. who could be looking at Trevor Penning. Now, Penning would be a right tackle with the Chargers. It'd be a left tackle in New Orleans. So those are some spots where... Some shocking may take place. And then Chris Olave, how high does he go? Does he go 11? Todd McShay was talking yesterday about Washington taking Olave at 11. Do they take him ahead of Kyle Hamilton if both are there? That would be an interesting decision to have to make. So I think there's a lot of intrigue in the middle of the first round.
1: Mel Kuyper Jr., we know you're incredibly busy. i got two last quick ones for you. Number one, for those who do not know, this is a man who has pumpkin pie every day of the year. So Mel, on draft day, on the weekend of the draft, how many pumpkin pies will you go through?:
3: Well, my daughter and son-in-law stacked me up with stocked me up, I should say, with pumpkin pies. that lasted me well through Saturday, so I'm good to go there. I, that, is, that is a lie, though, Chris. I don't eat pumpkin pie every day. I didn't say that people have I, I, people have not taken It's urban day.
1: myth now. People have taken and run with it.
3: <laughs> yeah, they have. And it's it's, it's it's impossible to be true because they don't have pumpkin pies all year at the store I go to. So there's a lot of, of days and weeks to go, and I'm just I'm always looking, but I never necessarily always find them. But I'm always trying. But, no, I'm not, I'm not the 365 for 365 in that area, believe me.
1: <laughs> and then the last one, Mel, as somebody – listen, you have heard for years about how fantastic your hair is. You know this. As somebody that is follicly <laughs> follically challenged myself, I'm incredibly jealous of it. So just if you could – Give me the 30-second thumbnail sketch draft profile on Mel Kuyper Jr.'s hair.
3: It's a disaster. It always has been. So it's been ridiculed and ripped and mocked and everything. So it is what it is. It doesn't move. A 50, 60, 80-mile-an-hour winds aren't going to move this. Now it has gone back and back and back and back and back from what it was back in the early 80s. So it's, it's gradually going to be gone, going, going, gone, Chris. So uh, it's, it's just to put the L.A. Licks looks on you. you, push it back. I, the simpler, the better. I could care less what it looks like.
1: Outstanding, Mel. We appreciate it. We know it's busy. Thanks for a few minutes.
3: <laughs> Chris Courtney, great job, you guys. Take care.
1: Do do I knew do I still need to apologize to Darry at this point as we bring in Nuno and Bubba uh on the from the hashtag crew? Because I mean you first of all, you relished in the fact that I did that at the moment. And, and I understand. Again, relishing in other people's mistakes and pain is something that we have talked about at length today with the Nets loss. But do I, at this point, need to reach out to Dari? But as, because Mel kind of said in there, don't bother, as in you're not going to get him back. It doesn't matter.
5: Yeah, I see, here's the thing. I don't know if Dari Noka actually knew who you were. Probably not. Uh, and so, like, now all of a sudden he got this guy who he's I mean, never it's heard not of. like
1: I'm Hembo. I mean, it- <laughs> He, of course, didn't know
5: who I am. Uh, So so now he has this no-name guy who has a show on the network now from 3 to 7 every Monday through Friday. Thank you. uh, You know, shameless plug there. uh, Taking shots at him. So, like, why would he want to hear from you? Like, It's not uh, taking shots. I misspoke. You took shots at him. Courtney, you did I take listen, shots? you should know, like as a new as the new guy around. What is the one of the first things you should do is know the lay of the land around here. Yes. And Noka is the on um, the mountaintop of all network shows that have been around forever. They are the Godfathers of this thing, and you disrespected the Godfather, so you know what that means. Wait, well,
1: I haven't gotten. I right hope to you
0: point. don't find a horse head <laughs> in your bed. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. I hope so too, but you I, might have the same people that are running on the court at the Timberwolves game show up at your house if that happens.
1: Apparently. I but it it was not knowing Darry and Mel. I know Darry and Mel. I worked on the weekends for a year and a half, two years. They
0: have the best intro song of any show on this network, hands down.
1: I I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And my problem here is that I being the new guy. I am go- I always worry about walking into a room and immediately ticking somebody off. And apparently that's what I've done.
0: Like Okai G?
1: Yes. Like, there's no way Okai G, as I said it, is ever going to speak to me. Bubba, you have uh, remained uh, mysteriously silent on this topic. Your take. Well, I, I just couldn't believe when you were asking the question, should I reach out to him? I mean, that's implying... Three weeks later, you haven't called him? I mean, what kind of a person are you? I assume that day you would have called him already and explained how sorry you are and how much of a tool you are and just told them, <laughs> sorry, man, I dropped the ball. That was just terrible. I'm sorry I blew it. I really apologize. But here we are three weeks later, and it's just, just embarrassing. So at this how, how point, the horse this? is out of the barn. Now I'm just going to have to live with it, whatever the result is. That's what you're telling It me? seems like it at this point. Because I've completely Nelson blown That's what Mel it.
3: sounds like he's saying, too.
1: Yeah, it does sound like that. Well, I'll have to own it then. And I do own it because it was an honest mistake on my part just misspeaking. It happens. But I'm glad that I could bring you all a little bit of joy in, you know, making a mistake. But that's, that's really what this is about. It's Greeny. Uh, coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. Courtney, draft-wise... What is intriguing you the most going into Thursday night right now?
0: It's not the top of the board because it's not sexy to see offensive linemen and defensive ends go one through five. That's not exciting for the casual draft fan. Now, for somebody who covers a team that doesn't have a first-round pick, I just want to get the first round over with so I can actually start working and start seeing what the team I cover, the Chicago Bears, is going to look like. But I just think we need to get – to Thursday because the hype around this thing, the storylines around this thing have grown very stale. And that's why I feel like all these smoke screens now with Trayvon Walker all of a sudden being the first pick taken off the board are starting to appear.
1: I am really interested to see who the sucker is because every year there's a sucker. There's somebody that jumps up to go get a player that they don't need to jump up and go get. And in this case, I feel like that's going to be the quarterback Who is going to be the sucker that believes the Carolina Panthers are going to take that quarterback, or are the Panthers themselves going to be the suckers there? It is fascinating. We're covering a pillar to post next 48 hours. Okai (laughs) Agbaje.